Hey everyone, I'm a precocious little princess who won't stop talking. He's an introverted hermit leaving toys for children in the night. It's Mike. Welcome to Rebels Rebels, the podcast that explores the Star Wars expanding universe through a deep dive through all things Star Wars. Oh, Mike. I bet you know what's coming next. Nope. It's been a while. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> yep. It has been when? Man, yeah. When was the last time you thought about Star Wars? I'm just curious. Okay. This is funny. This is a good conversation. I think about Star Wars more the less we record. Interesting. Um, we haven't interesting. been able to record a lot. And so I actually go to these different YouTube channels and I listen to people talk about Star Wars or... I don't have a good Star Wars podcast that does it. I love Star Wars Minute, but they mm-hmm. haven't been finding them breaking down Obi-Wan. So uh, I, I think about it a lot, to be honest. Hmm. When we're recording, yeah. re- re- actively recording, I don't because I tend to save it for recording. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. What about you? Are you thinking about it? Honestly, uh, we 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 have, we have an old roommate. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Chicago Dave that uh, texts us about Star Wars. He's he's a he's a great friend of ours, and so that's basically the only time I've been thinking about Star Wars because, like mm. you said, I don't want to talk about it with you when we're playing Overwatch or know, chatting or, or anything yeah. because I want to save it for the pod. But you know, as you said, life has been nuts. I've, I got COVID. My my cat's been. Mm. Going through some sickness and uh, you're you're doing kid stuff and a new job. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I feel yeah. like I'm saving all this stuff up and I've kind of put it in a Star Wars locker. Um, yeah, so. it's, it's funny. It's, it's very true. Like yeah. All those things. So I've been doing the opposite, though. I haven't really been doing the deep dives on YouTube videos or thinking about it that much because I'm just like shoving it deep down. <laughs> nice. Well, I guess I'll I'll plug the Star Wars youtube that i tend to this guy makes really cool little four four to five minute chunk videos i want to say it's um you know i want to give him a plug because i enjoy him i hope someone would plug us just for enjoying us yeah um i'm pulling it up they're fun just little oh here it is it's um star wars speculation that's Mm. the youtube and i just watch these 10 five to ten minute clips Usually they're about five minutes, so it's perfect. Just about Beautiful. everything. Yeah, maybe I'll check that out. I, I like that. That's a yeah. good. That's a good shout out. And you know, that is the thing that I do like is supporting community, especially smaller creators and people who are fun. You know, we've always said we we're, we're never going to get big with this podcast. We have kind of a small, dedicated. Uh, we're like a punk band. We're not for everyone, but you know, the people who like us really like us, and so yeah, I think that's a good shows. segue into. Supporting other small creators like us. And then also, you know, shout out to some of the people who messaged us during our hiatus. Mikey, Blue Box Drifter, you know, a couple mm-hmm. other people that just, you know, wanted to chat Star Wars with us. And so we appreciate yeah. you being there. And thanks. And yeah. I am excited I to talk about. You want to tell them kind of what we're going to do, Mike? Yeah, we're going to do. This is kind of a forcing function, not necessarily. I'll just peel back the curtain here. Uh, no uh, pun intended. Noise. Um, that we are go- forcing function. It's great. Yes, you said the force. I know. That is a Star Wars thing. I know. That's good. That's really good. Intentional. Um, we are going to be doing two uh, episodes for Obi-Wan. One for episodes one through three and a second episode for episodes four through six. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of a prequel, original trilogy approach. Yeah. And I think for me, the more 
as I've been stepping away from Star Wars a little bit, you know, we started this, especially from my end with my ADHD, getting hyper focused on things like the canon, little Easter eggs and things like that. That's something that I was always very interested in. And I still am, but I think I'm more interested now at the high level of mm. what the series yeah. is trying to say, the story beats, kind of the literary kind of stuff, which I know you like, Mike. Mm-hmm. And so I think breaking up in these chunks will make it a little easier for yeah. us to say, what is this series saying? That's something we always went back to with Boba Fett. You know, why does this series exist? What is it trying to say? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a more interesting conversation necessarily. That doesn't mean we're not going to get into the, oh, wasn't it cool when this happened yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. you know, I think that's what I'm interested in. How's that sound? Uh, I'm with you. That's kind of where I'm interested because I think everyone is picking apart Easter eggs. You could find any, actually shout out again to like that Star Wars speculation. They have a great five minute, all the Easter egg things or, you know, stuff like that. Like you could find that anywhere. Um, And we'll, we'll talk about Easter eggs, but yeah, I Mm -hmm. care more about the show and the larger arc here than um, seeing, you know, yeah. And the last Darth thing Revan's too, helmet in yeah. the sand or something. And the last thing too is I think that gives me an excuse to not get hyper focused mm-hmm. on the negative nitpicking because there, you know, there's been a lot of that. And Star Wars has been I've just seen some some things that I'm just it's I just can't get I said this to in our text thread yesterday. I am just not able to roll with the nitpicking dorks. No, and so no, I they're just, tiring. You guys are yeah. so tiring. <laughs> yeah, if you're a nitpicking dork, you are tiring. Yeah, you tire so, me. Yeah, so I feel, like, I feel like the queen. You tire me. <laughs> yeah, you do have very queen-like energy, which I I, I appreciate. Speaking of queen-like energy, this is going to be random. Do you know who my fist sister, who's in town? Uh, it's been great to see her. Shout out to my sister who's in town. Shout out to your sister. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love our shout outs this I episode. Love, I know. Um, do you know who she FaceTimed? Uh, I said uh, this came off of Queen. Um, Freddie Mercury. No. Someone who is amazing. An amazing, just like a social. All right. I'm, th- I'm actually going to try to think of something. She, that is she was able to FaceTime one of her idols the other day. Really? And, um, um who's I have just, no idea. Who's just I, like. I, a ball of positivity, blanking. super intelligent, really has a zest for life, really just goes in and <laughs> um, has an eye for making over people's lives. Jonathan Van Ness. Jonathan Van Ness. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that is so it's, sick. It's a long story on how okay. she was able to, a friend who represents him and beauty products or something and they FaceTimed from a an event and just talked to her. Oh my gosh. Did we just is this now just a Jonathan Van Ness podcast? Do we I want mean, to talk about this instead? I mean it could be. He's amazing. <laughs> That'll be a bonus episode. Let's let our time is a little bit limited. Let's get yeah, like, get okay, into let's what get we into decided it. we All should right. actually Fair talk about. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um I could go on a lot of tangents, so I'm gonna try to stay focused. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to say very high level. I just want to know, Mike, how is Obi-Wan Kenobi for you? It's tight. It's really good. It's, I, I have been actively ignoring too many people talking about it. Cause I just don't care anymore. I, mm-hmm. um, besides like the couple places I go and find that are pretty positive and don't really stick to reviewing it and more just like, um, but I, I just, I have fun. I feel like I'm reading 
a Star Wars expanded universe novel when I'm watching this show. Like, I'm remembering, what's the book called with Leia when she's, like, running for Senate? Um, Bloodlines? Yeah, I feel like I'm reading. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I'm reading Bloodlines. Like, that's what it feels mm, like. Yeah. And I am really here for that kind, that level of Star Wars. And, like, yeah, there are plenty of things. I have a couple nitpicking things I'll, I'll, I'll pick here. Yeah, just don't be a dork. No, he's tiring. <laughs> Um, but it's, it's just fun. I just enjoy it, man. I, and I love that it's six episodes. That makes it, I think that's so smart to box it like that. So I'm here. I'm here for it. How about I, you? I agree. It is so tight. It is so yeah. good. And I mean, I'm not, my first inclination when you said like, I'm not, I'm not seeing the discourse. I'm like my first, inclination, well, let me tell you all the losers that I, I'm, I'm not even going to talk about that. Cause it doesn't matter. No. I will say it's generally, I think most people are really enjoying it. I think there's a small subset of nitpicking losers. Um, and Dude, some other losers, some other, uh, I'm sure you saw some very yeah, unfortunate hurtful. racist and yeah. hurtful things that honestly, I don't know if you and I are equipped for. There's a, I'll say the Midnight Boys on the Ringer. Um, mm. to, they're not my favorite breakdown podcast, but they are two very intelligent black, um, you know, Sweet. Star Wars geeks that are talking about the series, and they had a very good conversation about the racial implications. So, That's I want to shout that out if you want to go listen to them. They're and on I, the, I love what you and McGregor had to say about yeah. it too. About you're not a Star Wars fan if you're saying that. Like, yeah. I'll back that. I mean, it's there's just no place for you're that a, in Star you're, Wars. And so. You're not a freaking Star Wars fan if you're, if you're, you're not. I mean, yeah. literally, the rebellion. I don't know. Come on, the rebellion <laughs> is about fighting. You are the Empire if you're saying that kind of racist crud. Yep. And so I'm not. That's the last. I'm going to focus on any of the negativity because I feel I like so it. good and positive about this series. It is yeah. incredible. And like, like you said, there are things that, you know, there's questions where I'm like, you know, that, that didn't necessarily work for me, which is fine, but it's so good. I yeah. am blown away by the quality of it. Well, yeah. Quality, the quality nuts. of the writing, the quality of the directing, the quality of the cinematography, the Deborah acting. Chow. Deborah did, Chow is slaying Did she it. do all three? Yes. Yeah, so far she's oh, done all three. I don't know gosh. if she's going to do the whole series She is. She isn't. She's an actual powerhouse. Everything I've seen her do is actually mm -hmm. like disturbingly good and it's so thoughtful um yeah. i am just the themes and the way it's written you know i've i've gone on my rant so many times about dialogue not feeling real um there's an example i recently had i, I know i i harp on this a lot but i was really into picard season two mm -hmm. <laughs> um you know i'm a star Wars, star trek fan as well yeah. um, and there's some great star trek happening right now but Picard yeah, season two kind of you know, strange new world so good. Um, but Picard season two went a little off the rails for me towards the end. And I just want to highlight this. I actually wrote it down because I was so frustrated by this dialogue. There's like a scene where they're in a firefight and there's a bunch of people like they're pinned down with gunfire and someone gets shot in the arm and there's two civilians with them. And Picard's like, teleport them out, get them to safety. And the guy who gets shot goes, okay, I'll get them to safety, but then I'm coming back. And then after they teleport away, Picard tells them to like, all right, turn off the transporter. And then in the next scene, the guy tries to teleport back and realizes he can't. And then dramatically looks at the camera and it's like, I've been locked out. I can't help them. And then there's a third scene that goes back to Picard and he's like, 
he's wounded. He'll only get us killed trying to help us. Mm. And then 10 minutes later, the civilian's cleaning the guy's wound. And he's like, if you go back, you'll get your friends killed because you're too injured to help. And so I'm like, wow, do you really have to explain four times what is going on? This guy got shot and they don't want him back in the fight because he's injured and he's, it's going to be dangerous. Like you have to literally spell it out. Like I can't help. That's brutal. No one talks like that. And it's, there's a lot of scenes like that. And it really, really bugs me. And by contrast, Obi-Wan is doing so much subtle acting without words. So much show don't tell. I mean, a very classic thing is the scene with the clone trooper where, Oh yeah. No words are exchanged other than he says something like, hey, can you spare some credits or something like that? But the amount of emotion and trauma and depth there there that is just on Obi-Wan's face and it unpeels like a Shrek onion, just like unpeeling these layers. It's so great. And there's so much of that in that series that I'm just, Mm -hmm. I'm blown away by. There is. There's a lot. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, face acting and mm. negative space kind of and they use that they use that in the Mandalorian too um where there's acting moments where sometimes doing nothing and having long pauses is like <laughs> yeah. just as effective as dialogue and they they do that quite a bit um, totally I've been watching um, Better Call Saul, and actually it's a little tie-in because Deborah Chow worked on, I think, Breaking Bad and maybe Better Call Saul as well. Um, And they have an official podcast where they break down all the episodes. And I remember very clearly Vince Gilligan because there's a thing where they called back to like season one, and I even had to Google it because I was like, oh, I don't remember these characters. And I Googled it, and it was fine. But he, Vince Gilligan, uh, or Gillian, sorry, Vince Gillian said, you know, we just trust that the audience can figure it out and or they the, they understand what's going on and if they don't they'll figure it out and i'm yeah. just like that feels so refreshing to me yeah. and i i really appreciate that about this series um i i yeah i that's that's one of the actually the big things i s- struggle with with star wars uh, actually just as a whole Mm-hmm. And it's like one of the reasons I thought the sent like this you before Obi Wan starts the first episode you get that huge episode one through three synopsis of like yeah. this is you know okay here here it all is uh, which I think is nice um, and something that I appreciate in the show a lot is that they're not interjecting the history and flashbacks or big moments mm. and they're making you do the work a little bit because I don't think they should be optimizing for new viewers. I don't think, I don't think they should be going, okay, how do we write this in a way that someone who's never seen star Wars can jump in and get it. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like they did that before the show started with a big thing, but didn't overly focus on that during the show which I think is the right move because I think mm. that's going to be a better move for history, <laughs> for the history of this <laughs> show and not for, yeah, the first time you s- viewer or something. Yeah, totally. I totally agree. Um, and one of the things, one of the questions I thought of watching, especially the first two episodes was why do we love star Wars? And the reason I'm asking that is I'm, I felt that connection. You know, there's just that thing where you're just like, yeah, I'm in, this is great. Um, 
And I think this is really hitting some of those beats that I love in Star Wars. And the first thing, even going back to the five, the Clone Trooper, is that Star Wars is a standard good and bad guy, a hero journey kind of thing. But originally it was an allegory for the Vietnam War and imperialism. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it says something, but it, it was never beating your head, beating you over the head with it. You know, it wasn't super on the nose, but George Lucas was trying to say something with Star Wars. And I feel yeah. like this series is as well. I think, you know, Obi-Wan is PTSD. Yeah. Um, we see it when he's, you know, he's, having nightmares about Anakin before he knows Anakin's alive. We're dealing with the trauma of war. Like this Obi-Wan is a pretty broken person who is closed off to the force. He went through something really terrible and he's just trying to deal with it. And what I'm interested to see is how do we bridge this Obi-Wan who is not the Obi-Wan we know from the prequels and is not the Obi-Wan we know from a new hope. How does this bridge this, those two Obi-Wans And I think that's going to be a really interesting character growth journey. And the things that they're showing us right now are really fascinating and kind of, it's thoughtful. It makes me dig at that. Yeah. Um, And again, there's nuance. I think I I said, you know, I slipped up at 501st because that's a little bit of an extra layer to that onion with the clone uh, scene is if you noticed by the armor, that clone was a 501st. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, you know, canonically, that's that's Vader's fist. But before that, that was the the troop of clones that that was under Anakin yeah. and fought side by side with Obi Wan. So when he's looking at that clone trooper, he's not just seeing like, oh, that's a clone trooper. He's seeing like that's someone who was in a company that I intimately knew. He's yeah. seeing the face of Rex, and he's seeing the face of all these people that he knew. Um, and again, like that was never spelled out. That was never, it was all on his face. And it all was us trying to unwind that emotion and unpack that in a way yeah. that's really fascinating. And I love that. Yeah. I mean, that was a beautiful acting moment. I mean, the horror, mm-hmm. the horror <laughs> yeah. on his face of seeing someone. I mean, go back and watch a Clone Wars episode and mm-hmm. look, look at the kinship there between the 501st and, and Obi Wan and Anakin and. I mean, uh, yeah, it's subtle. It's like so subtle. I love how subtle it is, yeah. and um, it's really sad, honestly. Yeah, I have some um, questions for you about this Obi Wan and how, how what you think about it. Um, I mean, how how are you finding this version of Obi Wan? I like this version of Obi Wan, and this version of Obi Wan makes sense given the length of time that has passed. And I like I want to emphasize that like this is ten years. Mm-hmm. into hiding i think i think it's a i'm glad they went that deep because i think even in the first five years you might i, I don't know i'm just like something about 10 years to me feels <laughs> an appropriate amount of time to produce a character who has been broken this much and clearly living in his head clearly he has not had a breakthrough with qui-gon Jin and is yep. not you know he's sitting in his cave asking his old master to show himself. He he knows there is some way, because you know how Revenge of the Sith ended with, you know, Obi-Wan saying that Qui-Gon is out there and he needs to find him, more or less. Yeah. Um, and Ben, for 10 years, has not been able to find him, is sitting in a cave, is 
just watching over Luke is disenchanted in hiding. I thought the whole first scene with the, you know, this Jedi on the run who finds, you know, Ben and he's like, you know, just is shocked. Like, get out of here, get away yeah. from me. Don't draw attention. And like, I, I, you know, I think him protecting Luke is just this big excuse now for how scared he is, how alone he feels, how oh, broken yeah, he feels. Time. Like he's not, he's not protecting Luke at all. He's there because what would Obi Wan do if the Empire all of a sh- sudden showed up on Luke's doorstep? Would he run from the mountains and go try to stop him? Part of me thinks he wouldn't, and part of yeah. me thinks he's going to need this big push to become a Jedi again. Um, so I really like this. I really like this Obi Wan. I really like how broken he is. Um, I think this just adds a layer of depth that's just really, really cool. Yeah, I think that's a fascinating thing that you said. There are two mm. things I found mm-hmm. fascinating mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep, um, as usual. Mm-hmm. Um, one is, you know, what would happen if the Empire did come and threaten Luke? I think you're right. This Obi-Wan, you know, a lot of people could see it and be like, not my Obi-Wan. This is not the Obi-Wan I love. And I'm like, yeah, that's the point. That's the whole scene with the Safty brother Jedi um, which that's an Easter egg. I don't know if you, you, you know, that famous director, uh, is it Benji Safdie? I don't know. I don't forget his name. Um, but the Jedi in episode one is the director of uncut gems. Um, mm. so there's a little call out to a fun thing, but the Safdie brother Jedi literally being like, you're not Obi-Wan. Like Obi-Wan wouldn't tell me to just throw my, bury my lightsaber in the sand and yeah. run away from the fight. And I think what you said was that he's scared. He's he's using Luke as an excuse Big time, to right? not be involved because of his trauma. And we see that when he talks to Bale. He's like, and that line about Leia's just as important as Luke, of course she is. But he's using that as an excuse to not get into the action. Yeah, it's false chivalry. Man, when you say, like, what would happen if a bunch of stormtroopers showed up at the moisture farm? Would he come out lightsaber blazing not right now but not only do we see a different obi-wan in a new hope there's a, the comic series if you remember yeah i love they're that kind of still back have them and, uh, i want to say com- star wars comic 16 or 15 yeah yeah something like that is a great series where luke finds his old journals and you kind of mm-hmm. get yeah. flashbacks to to this time period but yeah. luke's a little older at this point and there's this there's a part where they are threatened by some gangsters. And at that point, Obi-Wan does rush in and help and protects Luke. He is the protector. And that's just got to be a couple years after this because it's Luke is a little bit older in that series. I don't know exactly where the timeline is. And so we can see this development coming. It is growing. He is becoming the Obi-Wan we know and love. But right now he's in a very dark place. And I think that's super, super interesting. Yeah, I love it. It's a great nuance. Yeah. Um, um, and the other thing is, you know, speaking about not being able to connect with Qui-Gon, I think that's so cool. And we see so many times where he struggles to grab Leia when she's falling. I think that's yeah. a, probably the first time he's actually used the Force in a really long time. Yeah. And, you know, it's a very interesting thing because they're framing it in this frustration where he's sitting there like, Qui-Gon, please come to me. Why won't you come? But he has made a choice to cut himself off from the Force. And so it's a very interesting dichotomy where at least the way it's being played, it seems like Obi-Wan is frustrated 
that he is being abandoned almost by his master. But I, yeah, he's I, I don't not. Yeah. Or there's something you know. I think there's. It's not. I don't think it's very hard to make the allegory to someone who's lost their faith. You know, yeah, like that will, feeling exactly. of praying to a god you don't know if ex- exists and being frustrated. But at what point is that line where? It's not working because he's not bought in. You know, he he has that fear, which we know leads to the dark side. He has that, he's closed himself off where he's not a part of the force anymore. He's not reaching out to the force and using the force in the way that he used to. Yeah. And so it's much more nuanced, I think, than just like Qui-Gon gave up on him. But it sounds like maybe you have a different opinion. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think what you're seeing, um, when you're seeing Ben in the cave trying to commune with, you know, Obi- with uh, Qui-Gon, I don't think he really is. I-, I think he's scared, and he's it's it's the same thing of him staying near Luke to protect him. Mm-hmm. He'll sit in the cave and try for an hour every day just so he can check the box and say, I tried, but there's yeah. no way I believe that he wants o- Qui-Gon to appear because Qui-Gon would tell him to do something. Totally. And so I think he's sitting <laughs> oh, yeah, there. That's a good point. I think he's sitting there totally closed off just so he can be like, I had quiet time. I brought my Bible. I am a good, like, I'm a good Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not actually trying. There's no way. Yeah, totally. And, like, we see in these, there's just so many. We, we we can go on this topic all day long, but I also loved, you know, the scene with the Inquisitors where they're talking to everyone in the in the square. And, you know, there's that brutal scene where is it the fifth sister, Reva, she cuts off that lady's hand, and she's threatening Third? Owen's fifth, life. Wait, fifth sister? Is she the third or fifth? Third third, third sister, I think. Third I'll sister. just call her Reva because that's her name because I, I forget the numbers. Because, okay. yeah, I think it's fifth brother, third fifth sister. Fifth brother, third sister, yeah. Yeah. Um, but Reva cuts off that lady's hand and then she's threatening Owen's life. And Owen stands there knowing, she's saying, where is a Jedi? Uh, Owen knows, oh, there's one in that room right there. The one you want. It's in that room right there. And he has the strength. He has the fortitude and the bravery to protect his family. Again, like you said, he's not doing it for Obi-Wan, but he's doing it to protect his family. Yeah. And Obi-Wan stands there. What would have happened if the fifth brother never intervened? Would he oh, have just stood there and let Reva cut off Owen's head? Oh, God, I think so. He's frightened. He is yeah. broken and scared. He's just scared. Also, I will shout out to the actor who plays Owen. He sounds so much like original Owen. He's put on like a yeah. little bit of grit in his voice. He sounds... His voice acting or the or the effects they're putting on him, he sounds so much like Owen. Yeah, it's no, wild. he's a he's a great actor. He um, it was kind of a fun thing. Um, he, I've got to imagine that that was one of his very first um, first roles. Was he was the guy who played Owen in just the small small little scene at the end of a, a Revenge of the Sith, and probably in the second movie too. I think he was probably in that too, in a little little small parts. But he ended up being kind of a very well-respected indie actor, and he's been in some really cool things. Mm. And he's an incredible um, actor. His name's Joel Edgerton, and so it's kind of fun that he gets to reprise this role with just more acting experience. And he just yeah. really brings some cool gravitas. Um, he he has this kind of semi-horror movie called The Gift that is I hate horror movies, and mm. it's one of the most incredible horror movies I've ever seen. Interesting. Okay. And he is so good at it. <laughs> spooky, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, he, he's he's great. I agree. He, he's doing such a good job and I, I really loved that scene too. Um, but 
the other thing going back to like why do i love star wars it's not just that it's saying something but it also makes the universe feel bigger and more interesting you know mm. it's there's so many times where it's we've talked about it where it's like oh this person just randomly knows this person like oh like ezra randomly knows lando calarizian weird that makes it feel smaller yeah this series makes it feel bigger to me you know yeah. even with the connection between leia and obi-wan which we'll get to i really want to talk about some of the Leia stuff i think everything makes sense you know they're not just like putting in cameos and weird things like that it makes sense why the people are where they are and the places we're going and we've done a little bit of planet hopping you know we've gone to now three different planets i think yeah. but it doesn't feel like rise of the skywalker where you go to like 27 different planets or you know, even Mandalorian to a certain extent, and you don't really f learn anything. It's like, I forget the names of all the different planets, but the the Blade Runner planet we went to in the second... Oh, yeah. The second episode. I understand that place. I know how it functions. I know the type of people who live there. I understand the culture and what it's like to be a person who lives there. And that's a very cool feeling that I think they're doing a great job with as well. Yeah, yeah. It's It's... It it does feel more expansive. Um, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give you that, which is always a worry with these shows because some, you know, I think it's dangerous that we're on Tatooine again. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah they, but they didn't dwell on it. And even the Tatooine stuff we saw, you know, it's like we didn't get some big lore of like here's how the the Tuscan Raiders work and things like that. But you know, just seeing like that he works in that giant sushi sand plant and you see the fins of that sea creature that's probably left over from the old days of it being an ocean planet and things like that like just like little touches like that i feel like kind of connect the gap and you know the conversation with the jawa just kind of seeing how they function it, it focuses and makes you interested in the nuances of how tattooing works without beating over the head with it which i really liked yeah and then that leads me into alderaan that was something that really hit me was we've seen it. We saw it briefly in, in the prequels, but you know, this planet blew up in a new hope. So we don't <laughs> get a lot of Alderaan unless you, you, you read the books, you know, again, shout out to Claudia Gray, not only bloodlines, but uh, Leia princes of Alderaan, I think is great reading to go along with Obi-Wan Kenobi because a lot of the, her precociousness as a child running away, exploring things yeah. like that. Her hijinks, I think, um, really get fleshed out in that book in a cool way, too. And I just loved seeing Alderaan. I loved the tragedy of the Lion King moment where, you know, oh. Bale is showing her the kingdom. Being, One day this will all be yours and you will be, mm -hmm. they will look to you for protection. And then you just instantly flash to her seeing the planet blow up and what that must. Oh, my gosh. Again, subtle, but subtle implications. But I loved seeing how. The beauty of Alderaan, the tragedy of Alderaan, how how it just kind of functioned, um, and I thought that that was great too. Yeah, that was great. I I felt a little weird about Flea being in the episode. <laughs> yeah. I think those kind of cameos. I think uh, someone in Star Wars just really loves bass players. Apparently, that's what I was just thinking. I'm like, <laughs> okay, second big bass player. I guess we yeah. had yeah we had um uh what what. Thundercat, uh, Thundercat, yeah, and now Flea, a, yep. a, a 
I guess at this point, it would be funny to continue the bait. Like, who's... <laughs> I guess you get Paul McCartney next. Yeah, Paul McCartney. Les Claypool's going to play, like, a droid, like okay. a weird, weird droid or something like that. I'm just... Yeah, I'm going to be on base watch as a base player. I appreciate yeah, I know. it. Base watch. <laughs> I yeah. like that. Uh, I, thought, I, thought, I mean, I, I think Flea's just kind of fun as an actor. Um so I've like I've never known him as an actor, so this is new yeah. For me. He, he was in Big Lebowski famously. Uh, um, was was he's really fun in Big Lebowski, and I forgot what else he's in. I'll look that up. Um, but he's kind of got a very iconic and famous couple scenes in Big Lebowski. Um, mm-hmm. And also, this is not a. I've seen other people talk about this before, but um, I kind of think it's funny that I I don't know if he actually had to go to like get dressed or go to get in a costume or did he just show up dressed exactly how he was on screen? Like, yeah, that works. Yeah. Because he just (laughs) Mm -hmm. seems to be wearing his typical outfit. Yeah, totally. Uh, Yeah. Um, but how did you feel about the Leia stuff? I, I I liked it. My, my one worry, but I I think I'm, I think it's fine now that there were three episodes in. I was, I was like, are they just doing this because like the new formula is, you know, get a cute sidekick a la baby Yoda and even like, uh, what's her face from yeah Omega from bad bat. Just like every, every star Wars now going to have a cute sidekick. Yeah. Uh, That was my worry, but it doesn't feel like that. She doesn't because she feels integral to the, and they all feel integral to the plot, but maybe that's the problem is that they're also integral to the plot. I, um, but she works. Yeah. Um, for me and, and I have fun and she feels like princess Leia and, um, you know, I, you know, I think it's funny. I, the one gripe I've seen, which I think is such a dumb gripe from people is, uh, you know, Oh, well she knows Obi-Wan. So why in a new hope does she say, you know, you served my father in the clone wars. Don't they know yeah. each other? And I'm just like, uh, come on guys. Yeah. I, I, I agree exactly with everything you said. I mean, I think, Starting with a gripe, yeah, I, you know, I'm trying to stay on the positive, so I'll very briefly say, get over it, dorks. Um, I do think uh, it could be, I mean, if, even if it was something super traumatic, if I got, like, my house burned down, and I got kidnapped, and then when I was 10 years old, my dad's work friend rescued me, I would, like, remember that guy, but, like, maybe they haven't talked in 10 years or whatever like that, and so yeah. she's just being a little more formal, like, she's not, like... I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy was, like, an important person to me, but I haven't seen him in so long. So, like, yeah, yeah, just, like, isn't like, hey, remember that time? Hey, best bud, like, maybe they're not staying in touch. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And so that I thought was a little silly, but I agree. Um, I am a little worried about the that formula you talked about. You know, a lot of people have been bringing up a wolf and cub, which I've never yeah. actually seen. It seems like something you'd mm-hmm. be into. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the formula of, like, grumpy grumpy dad trying to shepherd yeah. a little cute kid around. Exactly. Um, I actually heard some interesting behind the scenes stuff is that was originally going to be Luke and they changed it because they thought that was too close to baby Yoda, but they didn't change it a lot. <laughs> it's very interesting that they did that. I think the one thing I'd be interested in seeing Luke is, wouldn't have worked. How would that have worked when he, that would make their encounter in a new hope make no sense. Yeah, I know. It would be unless, completely... unless Ben never reveals himself as a Jedi that whole time to him. 
Yeah, it would be a completely different show. Um, and so I don't know how exactly it would have worked. Um, but I do know that it was changed for that exact reason. Um, the interesting thing, though, is like, I think it, the, I'm, I'm ready to withhold judgment about whether it being, I think it's good right now. And I think part of that is because it's, that's not the point. Yeah. You know, the point of Mandalorian is what's up with Baby Yoda. The point of Bad Batch is what's up with Omega. Yeah. Leia is a functionary to get to Anakin and Obi-Wan's relationship, to get to that development in Obi-Wan's character, to move the plot forward. So to me, it's less about rescuing this cute kid. Like I could see episode four being like, all right, we delivered Leia and then we don't see her again for, you know, half episode four and episode five and six, because that's not what this series is about. Yeah. And so I think it works. I do hope that in future series, they get away from that formula because it is getting a little old for me. It's getting old. Yeah, it is. It's, but I don't, I don't think I love it. Um, yeah. I, and I'm with you. I hope the next two episodes, I hope we drop off Leia. Yeah. And then Ben has to go take care of Reva. He yeah. has to Jedi up a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And I just, I mean, I, I don't know what to say about the, the actors playing Leia that other people haven't said, but I think she's great. I love, again, the subtle nods where she can kind of read people, where you can tell she's using the Force unintentionally yeah. to have these heartbreaking and well, sometimes insights. amazing insight yeah. of when she's just like wrecking her her jerk ass cousin <laughs> that's such a good scene about what he's like we don't have to say thank you to lower life forms or whatever and she's like well then i guess i don't have to say thank you to you and like how she reads him i thought that was such a good scene but then we get to the more important part where she knows obi-wan is hiding something and it's like you knew my mother are you my father yeah that, that was wrecked sad. me yeah, that was sad and i love yeah. that it's a great moment. Oh, and I, I I like that moment too because I like that she's so clearly um insightful, but not so insightful to be, you know, clairvoyant yeah. or, you know, to be all knowing because I think that it gets dangerous. It gets a little in that territory of like mm-hmm. okay, she doesn't know everything, but I think it's it's nice to see like, okay, clearly she doesn't know everything. Yeah, it feels to me like, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, a good point is like when she runs away from Obi-Wan, it's like she doesn't know everything. She oh. hasn't like read him and been like. That, that okay, so I was actually <laughs> annoyed by that moment because I was like, that's in all shows, the like the classic uh, miscommunication chase or the, the miscommunication moment of like of of who's telling the truth and uh, that always leads to like, it, you know, it's, it's the crux of like all of everything is miscommunication. And that moment I didn't love like the, I have to chase you. I have to save you with the force. Now you believe me. Like I wish that would have come out a little, yeah, a little less sitcom. Yeah. I'll say, I think that the, her running away felt very real to me. You know, I could see a 10 year old, just seeing something and getting scared. Like she doesn't know who this guy is. And he is withholding from her, you know? Yeah. Even without the force, he knows that she can tell that he's, you know, says he's a Jedi, but isn't doing any Jedi stuff like that. He's being shady, you know, and evidently he smells really bad. So, you know, that might play a part. And so I, I think the, 
the conflict makes a lot of sense to me. I I agree that that's one of my nitpicks is I, I think this chase scene just didn't work that well. I loved when Reva, you know, becomes like a panther and is using the force Jeez. to jump up. Like that was very cool and intimidating. <laughs> but I think just generally speaking in, in a series has been directed so well. I feel like it was a little chaotic, a little hard to tell like where people were and just the timelines felt like it didn't really match up. And it was just, it, yeah. Yeah, it was just a little much for me. I just, and I, my eyes just kind of glaze over with any of these like kind of weird chase scenes too. So. Yeah. The chase scenes in the show are so bad. The chase scene mm-hmm. in the beginning with Leia and like the kidnappers was the worst chasing I've ever seen on TV. It was like at one point, one of the guys who was chasing her, she ducks under a bush and or a branch and he just runs straight into the branch, but had so much visibility and time mm-hmm. to react. And I was just like, Oh yeah, know. absolutely. Um, but yeah. And I, I, I think that I'm really interested to see this. And the last thing I'll say about Leia is, I agree with what you're saying that it's, she doesn't seem overly knowledgeable. It seems like a does seem force e you know she's using the force, but it seems unintentional. And I think that's a good thing because you know one of the bummers about the original series is you know obviously George Lucas didn't intend Luke and Leia to be brother sister yeah. when these characters were first conceived, so it's so hyper focused on Luke. And in retrospect, when we know that they're twins now. I would have loved to see more, you know, force stuff from Leia in the actual yeah. original series, but you know, it just didn't happen for yeah. for many reasons. Um, but we're kind of fleshing that out, retconning that out in an interesting way. And I could see this little girl becoming Leia. And that yeah. is so cool. And they they they, they knocked it out of the park with that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um I, just I think we, the I hope last we, hope we drop her off, but I agree. Yeah. I think the last two things I have to bring up is we got to talk about the Inquisitors and then maybe we finish it out talking about Vader. Yeah, yeah, I'll say Vader. How how do you feel about the Inquisitors in this series? I think they're really fun. Um, I think all three of them, we have, or four, we have like four primary ones, mm-hmm. are really fun. I'm sure everyone, you know, all Star Wars nerds are like, the Grand Inquisitor can't die, he appears mm-hmm. and... And it's like, yeah, they'll they'll figure it out. Don't worry. Yeah. Like they didn't they didn't f up. They just you know totally. something will eat. He'll be back. We know he will. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the casual fan, they don't they don't know that. Um, and I yeah I I just I think they're fun. I think Reva is one of the most convincing villains we've ever had. Yes, because I hate her. In a way that you want to hate villains, you know what I mean? I yeah, I I just don't like her. She, but I don't like her. her not the actress. Being mm-hmm. very clear about that, it's the, <laughs> the 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 character. I'm just yeah. like, oh my god, she's so evil. And we, we've never really had a, a threatening presence like that. Um, I even in the Mandalorian, the I don't know. This feels like the most threatening. And, you know, I think there's all that speculation. She was one of the pad ones in the beginning or ran away. Yeah. And that's the motivation. Great, great, great. Um, whatever to all that, her cunning and it, the way she's won't even listen to the grand inquisitor. She doesn't fall in line mm-hmm. even in the empire is what makes her so interesting. She doesn't even play by their rules. Yeah. Um, which is similar to Darth Maul in some ways. Um, but just to a 
a bigger degree, I think I, I'm really mm-hmm. excited about her. Yeah, I love the Darth Maul call out because she's she's very chaotic energy, you know. I love that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll shout out Moses Ingram, the the actor. She's she I think is doing such an incredible job. And all at least for me, I will agree with you. Maybe maybe in the third episode this this wasn't shown as much, but at least in the first two episodes, she was scary. She was evil, but she to me had very subtle trickles of vulnerability yeah and speaking of trauma you know her story seems to be we don't know the backstory but i think we we, i think you're right that she's likely one of the padawans we see in the beginning of the series um because you know that we've seen order 66 um we we know what happened so there's a reason for that being in there yeah and a very truncated version. And so I think the reason is going to be that Revo is one of those Padawans. I think many people believe that. And we hear this thing that she, she was in the gutter. She grew up in the gutter and we rescued you. And so like, that's different than we know the inquisitors, you know, they steal children. They are former Jedi that are either tortured into submission to be evil or they, they become evil and just turn to the dark side for greed or whatever reason. That doesn't sound like we, grabbed you from the gutter it sounds like something happened after she left the jedi temple that is steeped in some sort of trauma and she's dealing with that trauma again and i think moses ingram does such a good job of being scary being evil but letting in a tiny tiny bit of vulnerability where honestly through the first two episodes my wife and i were like watching it and we're just like i wonder if she's gonna like turn and team up with obi-wan and we were Mm. kind of rooting for her too we were scared of her I, I thought she, she was could. super evil. I think she could turn. Yeah. And that's such a hard, nuanced way thing to play. And I love it. And I was just thinking, like, you know, they could have picked some swarmy bro to play this character who's just like the the jerk inquisitor. And how much of a different job would that have been if she was just, you know, like played by generic, yeah, like smug, smug guy, you know? Yeah. And so I'm really fascinated with that character. I think she's doing a great job. Yeah, I think she's doing great. I also really like the fifth brother. Um, yeah. I just love his his Ra- his Raiden helmet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, fifth brother who we know from Rebels. Yeah. And I don't remember what he spoke like in Rebels. I don't remember hearing him talk ever. Yeah, he did um, talk a bit. And I don't remember it very much either, but I don't really care. But I've gotten to the point. It's the same with the Grand Inquisitor. Like, yeah, it kind of throws me because I do have such a connection to the Grand Inquisitor from from Rebels and Jason Isaacs did such a good job. But I think you know, well, yeah, what I was, friend is doing his thing too, and I'm enjoying it as well. Yeah, well, what I was gonna say is I don't remember what he what he spoke like anywhere else, but I really enjoy his voice. There's some kind of weird like modulation effect when he speaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And however he's speaking in this show, I just find so cool. Kind of, mm-hmm. it's it's got a very <laughs> cool effect. So pay attention next time he speaks because I just think it's a really nice sound design moment. Of oh yeah, his voice is really spooky. Yeah, that's cool. I never, I, I didn't specifically notice that, so I will definitely check that out. Um, the other thing, the last thing I'll say about the Inquisitors too is I think we're in a very interesting time with the empire. We, we did a quite a few deep dives about this and how the empire came to power, kind of what they do when, when they come to a planet. Um, we talked about it with Lothal when we did our, our rebel series, we talked about kind of how they 
entice the populace. You know, they come bearing gifts. Yeah. They say like, we're going to give you, we're going to fix your unemployment problem. And then, you know, they, the people sign up for a bargain. They didn't uh, necessarily understand and get, they get oppressed. And so at this point, especially in the outer rim, the empire isn't the, they don't have a death star. You know, they're not like obviously evil president Sith Lord, just like doing whatever he wants and everyone's scared of them. They're still, there's still a Senate. They're still trying to pretend to be the good guys. Right. Yeah. And so I love this dynamic because it feels like Reva is almost, she's like, you know, nine years in the future empire. She sees the future where she's just like, this is stupid. People just need to be scared of us. We're going to control the yeah, universe with fear. And that's kind of the conflict where they're like, you're out of line, which is so weird for an evil, you know, kind of Sith organization to be like, you are being so brutal, but it's, it makes sense for where they're at because they're still trying to win hearts and minds of the yeah. local populace and try to get people to voluntarily, you know, like we see flick or whatever his name is in the third episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. they, they want little weasel guys with, with like flying their empire flags at the back of their yeah, pickup truck, I know. you know? And like, it's so interesting to see her chaotic energy that she's, she's so hyper-focused on what she wants and it feels very Star Wars, you know, it feels like where it's supposed to go, but she's kind of ahead of her time in, a, in an interesting way. And so yeah. I like seeing the dynamics and politics of their, their bickering and their, and if you read the comics, that makes a lot of sense, you know, that the Inquisitorias are all just bickering and cutting off each other's hands and just yeah. like, it's just like a very dysfunctional organization. And I can, and yeah, cool. and I can empathize with like, the flick character who is like nothing wrong with a little order mm -hmm. because to them, they're not Jedi. They're not being hunted down. And so like, what is the empire doing? And potentially from their point of view, what the empire is doing is coming in and creating jobs and bringing security. Yeah. And, and also from their point of view, the Jedi are evil yeah. from what they know. The Jedi turned on the Republic yeah. and rebelled and had to be put down. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, I don't know. It, it, it works. And, I think yeah. thinking about it from like the we have nothing on our planet's point of view, like any anything is, you know. Yep. Good. And then the last thing I'll say about Re Reva, um, because we don't really know her goals yet. I'm very interested to know exactly what she wants. Um, yeah, but really this relationship between her and Vader is very interesting. And the fact that she's the one that reveals that Vader is Anakin Skywalker and she's the one who tells Obi-Wan that. Again, a great scene. The fact that she knows that seems to me, at least, to indicate some sort of familiarity and maybe a secret mission or something that others wouldn't know. I've got to believe that there's a very, very small circle of people who know Vader's true identity. And so it's kind of interesting that Reva is one of those people. Yeah. As a and former so, Jedi, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I mean, I don't even know, like, does the Grand Inquisitor know that? Vader's Anakin? I I don't think so. That's my guess. I don't know that for sure. Mm. And so my guess to all this, which I think is very fascinating, is that Vader is manipulating her, just like he was manipulated mm. by Sheev. That Vader is saying, hey, I got a secret for you. I'm <laughs> actually Anakin Skywalker. Look at what Obi-Wan did to me. Look what this evil Jedi did. He cut off my hands and feet and he threw me into fire. 
He's yeah. the one who orchestrated the entire Jedi's downfall. You remember your time in the temple where you were happy? He's the one who crumbled all this around you yeah. and is kind of manipulating her in the same way that, you know, again, she views Padme to manipulate yeah. uh, Vader. And I think that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd be curious to see if that's what happens. I, I think that's a really likely scenario. I, yeah, I, it's 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 all just speculation until we see her, you know, her uh, motivation revealed. But yeah, yeah, I I have no idea. That could be very cool though. <laughs> yep. And then finally, we got to talk about Vader. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wow. Yeah. Uh, what? How? How did you like the third episode and all the Vader stuff? I. Liked it is maybe my least favorite part. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, oh my god, some of the things he did were unreal brutal, like mm -hmm. him dragging, killing those citizens, and then seeing like all the people like run out to like pick up their dead, like was so sad to me. I was like, Jesus, yeah. it was a little brutal, but I believed it. And that is the Vader we know from A New Hope, mm -hmm. who is just like down to kill anybody. Um, yeah, there was some, you know, I'm sure we'll get into the funny stuff, like, you know, him dragging Obi-Wan through fire, and then like, you know, the the person, the, um, you know, oh, what's her name, the uh, mother, of, uh, mother of snakes, or... or <laughs> yeah, yeah, the... What, what, her name's Tala in this. What's what's uh what is she in sand the sand snakes or something? Yeah, she's she's one of the sand snakes. I forgot I forget which sand snake she is. I don't know. She's like she's the mother. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Uh. Yeah. Her, her like shooting Vader or like one of the stormtroopers and then like causing a fire and then Vader can't get Obi Wan because there's a fire that he could. I'm not sure why he can't either put out or jump over it was a little weird. Like I I'm chalking it up to like, he's just kind of savoring the moment and knowing that he's going to kill Obi-Wan anyway. So maybe this just makes him more scared. So he's just like, cool. He let Obi-Wan go though. He's not like, that's where I stand on this. He's not like he wasn't bested and like, Oh, okay, well you got me. I can't jump over this fire because like he surely could. So he's must what I, I'm kind of, rationalizing with myself. He must be just waiting here and being like, okay, well I'll get you, but mm -hmm. I'll, I'll let you just escape and be scared of me. Cause that's funny. Interesting. Yeah. I, well, so first of all, um, Indira Pharma is the actor and she played Alaria sand Alaria. in game of Thrones. There it is. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> but I, yeah, I interpret it completely differently. I think it, and it's, a, it's interpretation. So I think, First of all, the Vader stuff did work for me, and I thought it was directed so well. I, it was so scary. So it scary. Was, really scary. It, it was... I had to, like, watch... like I watched Strange New Worlds, which we've talked about already, mm -hmm. which is just such a fun and light show right after, because I had to, like, decompress from just, like, like, oh, my God, Vader's, Vader's under my bed. Um, it was so good. Um just to speak specifically to what you said, I think how I interpret it was, first of all, yeah, I don't think Vader is a character who is in a rush. He yes. is a, you can see in any chase scene, even when he was fighting Luke on, on Bespin, all these different times, 
he's confident that he's going to get what he wants. Yeah. He always does. And he, he just kind of slowly walks around and just, you know, what he wants comes to him. Yeah. So I don't think he is like desperate to be like, we need to get Obi-Wan. He's going to get away. Yeah. He's not, gonna, um, he's not going to Darth Maul jump over everything. He's just yeah. going to be like, hey, it'll happen. The thing that like thematically though, like obviously he, he could have killed Obi-Wan easily, but he says, you know, your, your pain has just started. He wants to torture everyone. Yeah. Again, it's trauma. He has trauma over what Obi-Wan did to him. And so it's no, it's no accident that he sets the ground on fire and drags Obi-Wan through the fire because he's literally doing to Obi-Wan what Obi-Wan did to him and he's going to torture him in the same way. Yeah. But then the interesting thing with that is like, I think the fire was a little big, you know, it could be hand wavy. I think, you know, if it was Maul or someone else or even Vader, we've seen him do some crazy jumps and stuff. He could have jumped over that probably, but is there a part of him that's traumatized to an extent that he's scared of the fire that he, you know, know. He, he, he lives on his, which by the way, I love seeing his castle. Know, but he, right? he lives on a freaking lava planet. Yeah, but I mean, he doesn't have like fire in his castle. Like yeah. I, I think that's yeah. true. And I think part of the reason why he picked, you know, in the comics, he, he was the emperor, let him pick his planet. Let it be. You he even was like, you could have Naboo. I'll give you my home world and where Padme lived and you can rule Naboo. And he's like, no, I want Mustafar. And I think part of that is him, his therapy almost. Like, I want to be near the place I turned to Vader and deal with this stuff that is probably very traumatic to him. Also, you know, he there's some dark side stuff that he believes in that I think he thinks will make him more powerful, but... Oh, yeah. I could see, you know, if, you know, the, you know, he, he looks at the lava outside and probably deals with those feelings and uses it to fuel his fear and make him stronger on the dark side. But, you know, what happens if you, you know, set a huge blaze three feet from him? You know, maybe that's a little different of a story. So I kind of yeah. interpret it and it's hard with the acting on the face, but how they lingered on him, which is the flames in his eyes and just kind of looking i almost i got a feeling that they were playing it as him being like oh i'm freaked out i'm freaked out but i'm i got i'm a i'm a strong sith lord i i am a dark sith lord i am not going to show anyone my feelings <laughs> kind of a thing you know yeah um so that's just how i interpret it i don't know if that's the case or not um Fair. i could I, definitely see people thinking that was a little weird but yeah it, di- it didn't bug me it felt very cat and mouse which i again i think he's just playing with his food a bit um, yeah, and extending extending his torture to your point. I think that's, oh yeah, we definitely know that he likes to play with his food, cat and mouse like that. I like that a lot. Um, but thematically, one other thing is you know we're talking about how does Obi Wan become the Obi Wan we see in A New Hope? Not every trait about Obi Wan in A New Hope is positive. Mm-hmm. And another thing we know about Obi Wan in A New Hope is he is completely given up on Anakin. You know, he says he's a master of evil. He we see in the flashbacks or in the beginning of this series, they very purposely put in the scene where Padme says there's still good in him. And when Luke is saying there's still good in him, Obi-Wan's the one who's saying, no, there's not. He's more machine than man. You know, he, he has gotten to a place where he believes that Anakin is dead and Vader is a completely different person. So, and we know now that he's, he was wrong about that. So how do we not only get to the positive aspects of Obi-Wan, but how do we get to the Obi-Wan where he's completely given up on yeah. Vader? And I think this showed that, you know, this is not only did he get shocked and see that Anakin's alive, but he saw Anakin, his brother, this person he loved, 
dragging innocent women in the street by their neck and snapping their neck. Like, I understand why he has completely given up on it. Yeah, that's easy to look at that that person and see that's evil. Yeah. And so I think that's thematically so interesting. And I thought they they really did a good good job of uh, of showing that. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think a moment like that, I was just like, that moment specifically of him dragging those people around, just killing yeah. them and thinking like, well, these are, you know, I'll get deep here. Those are like, you know, mothers and daughters yeah. and wife and like you, their family members are watching. That's, it was pure evil. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I, after seeing that, if I was Obi-Wan, I don't know that I'd be like, he can be saved. <laughs> like, yeah. Because I think the question is, does he deserve to be saved? And I think watching that happen, you might argue he's past, he's past retribution. Like, mm-hmm. um, after doing that. So, you know, taking lives so easily. Totally. And in an interesting way, you know, I, Luke almost has the benefit of not yeah. seeing that. He never saw that part. Like, I'm sure he knows the stories, but as far as we know, you know, we didn't see him tort. Luke never saw his father literally torture people, innocent people yeah. to death, you know? Yeah. And so I think that's an interesting aspect of this. And again, thematically, it bridges the series so well in a way that I really, really enjoy. And I think, yeah, I think, you know, the, what they're doing with the voice modeling, they're doing some, you know, we, we always have weird, complicated feelings about AI acting and things like that, but how they're blending, um, the Vader voice that, uh, James Earl Jones and, uh, Anakin, uh, Hayden Christensen voices together and how mm-hmm. Hayden Christensen's playing it, just his body motions and things like that, I think are very, very fascinating. And I also loved, again, this is another thing about it, it working for the story. I loved seeing him kind of being put together in the back to tank. I've always been so curious oh. to see Vader under the suit. So wild. And it's yeah. always been kind of a hidden thing because... You know, you can want it. And honestly, this is a lot of why I want to see it is like just curiosity. It's like a peep show. You're just like, what's under there? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) I want to see his weird white skin. I know. Um, But it works thematically because, again, we're dealing with the trauma of happened. We're dealing with him blaming Obi-Wan for the literal burns on his body. So it's not just like it's not just for here's a cool Easter egg for the fans. You know, we're seeing the actual trauma and damage on Anakin's body yeah, and really lingering on it in a cool way. And I thought that was directed well. And it, it again, I thought it was so cool. Yeah. I, yeah. It's genius. Uh, everything is genius. I honestly, Vader's castle is one of my favorite settings. Yep. The comics series that shows how the, it's built to mm-hmm. highly recommended. Like he summons an old ancient, Sith architect and it's just, it's insane. It's, it's a beautiful comic arc. So if you want to know more about Vader's castle, definitely go hunt those comics down. Totally. Yep. Um, and then just looking at my notes, this is, this is tied into the, the darkness and the trauma. And this is the last note is another beautiful line going back to Leia is talking about when she's asking how the force works. I loved how he explained, have you ever been afraid of the dark? How does it feel when a light turns on? And she says safe. And he's like, it's like that. I know. And so if we're talking about him being cut off from the forest for the last 10 years. Yeah. It's scared. He's been feeling unsafe for the last 10 years. And that's an incredible thing. And then also, you know, 
this was this Vader scene was shot at night. We've seen from his nightmares that his trauma is what happened to Anakin. So he's Vader is the literal manifestation of being afraid of the dark, chasing him. His PTSD in a being a person coming at him in just I love it. Just thematically, I love it. I love it. I'm saying the same thing over and over. I'm saying I love it. I'm saying trauma over and over. I'm saying thematic over and over. But it's just done so well and it's so thoughtful. And I, I really, really, really am enjoying this series and can't wait for more. Yeah, I can get behind all of it. It's it's, it's pretty mind-blowing. Everything in this show is pretty mind-blowing. Yeah. I, again, I hope we drop off Leia. I hope we go after her. I hope we can safely put her aside and focus on Obi-Wan. Yep. Um, but I'm excited for the next three episodes. Yep. I have one quick hit question for you, but do you have anything else to um, to talk about or those anything are, else you wanted to bring up? Those are all the big beats. Cool. All right. So this is this is the big quick hit beats. question for you. Are we going to see a Rebels good guy in this series? Are they going to do a cameo of one of our Rebels friends? Mm, I hope not. Um, I don't think so. I don't. I I think they're really going to save that for Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Um. Who do you, what about, I mean, it seems like you have thoughts. What are your thoughts? No, I don't have thoughts. I was just trying to think of like, because they have shown incredible restraint. Yeah. And I was just thinking about, you know, are we going to get a chopper somewhere? Are we going to get a Uh, Kanan? I think we both agree that we don't want that to happen. Yeah. But this is the time period, you know, they'd, they'd be a little younger than we'd know them in right now, but I guess if we went to Lothal, we could definitely see a young Ezra Bridger, but yeah, um, I don't think so. I think we're really. I think I think when you play with these big of characters, bringing in the small guns doesn't do the same thing. I am going. I'm on the record with you that I hope that they don't. And here's my official answer: is based on how good the first three episodes were and the um, restraint they have shown. Yeah. I would like to give them the benefit of the doubt that that will not happen. Yeah. But based on Star Wars much more yeah. recent past and their history, I am going to officially say we are going to get a dumb cameo at some point. Uh, interesting. Okay. I hope not. But I just I they they haven't they haven't won my full trust yet that they can resist I some cameo. She, yeah. I think Sheev is likely. Um Oh, that would be interesting, yeah. I mean, we already saw a vision of him once on the in the dunes, so it seems like he's ripe for showing up. But yeah. I think that would be the biggest thing we get. Yeah. Speaking of cameos, did you see that Steel Saunders was a background artist on Tatooine? <laughs> no. What was he uh, doing? Uh, I was just walking. I think he was in the scene of... Uh, I saw a screenshot, so I don't remember exactly. I think it was the scene where the Inquisitors were just about to confront Owen. I think he's wow. just like kind of like in the back, just like... That's doing inc- some market shopping or something like that. That's but how incredible. cool for him. All right, that's incredible. Yeah. So, f- oh you know, podcaster and a former guest on Rebels, Rebels, Steel Saunders, big, big Star Wars fan. I'm, yeah. I'm stoked for him. That That's, that's really amazing. Cool, so, congrats, Steel. But yeah, that's all I had. So, I'm looking forward. We're going to do, like, like Mike said up top, we're going to do these in blocks and, you know, more of the big thematic stories. So, if you have any questions or anything you want us to touch on for the, um, for the next three episodes. Um, maybe we should set aside some time to talk about 
some of the celebration news too. Oh, next yeah. episode, especially you brought it up, uh, the Ahsoka series. Evidently yeah. there was an Ahsoka trailer that gave us quite a few of our rebels friends. And so I'm sure we have a lot to say about that. Maybe we'll get the trailer officially released by the time we record next time. So we will have to break that down when that comes out. But yeah, that would be, that would be wild to see. Um, And that is, uh, that is obviously something we would cover is uh, a new jaunt in the rebels world. Really? Mm -hmm. For sure. So you want to tell people how to reach us, Mike? Yeah. You could find us at rebelsrebelspod at gmail.com. Um, you can visit our Twitter, Instagram at rebelsrebelspod. You can, you know, send us an email. Like I said, we get a lot of emails and we chat with a lot of cool people there via email. Yeah. It's the only place I'm at. Peter Helms, the, uh, <laughs> the social media ships. Yep, and I don't do a great job of it, but we will we will chat with you if you do reach out for sure. Yeah. So thanks again for sticking with us through the hiatus, um, and we are looking forward to more, especially rebel centric Star yes. Wars in the near future. Heck yeah. yeah, yeah. And until next time, remember to be brave out there and don't look back. <laughs>